1: Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 21st of November 2022. Well, last week we certainly caused a bit of a stir, if you like. We had lots and lots of response to the little monologue I ran on about regarding the grain passport. So lots of small merchants responded at proving of my ideas. No one called us idiots, which is a bit of a relief Our change. And it's become the main topic of the conversation because the whole conversation has moved on during the week and there's been a number of meetings AIC have met and AHDB are, are on it. So it's a moving item at the moment. I do think it probably is going to be pushed down the road a bit further before they come back with their next proposal to do it. But right now. I think it's not as imminent as perhaps one or two people thought. Anyway, we do go on to that subject. rather a bit too much in what's following because it was one of those sessions with the boys yesterday afternoon. So Ben, Webby, Joe and myself, other than that, you know, it's been an epic week. The market has collapsed 30 quid in the last three, four weeks or 20 pounds in the last eight days. But if you want to look at life in a positive mode, the last 24 hours, the market has rallied 10 pounds from 259 to 269 on the May futures. So yeah, it's gone up 10 quid in the last 24 hours. That's got to be good, but down 20 in the last nine. So net loss 10. It is pretty volatile. I mean, it looks to me like there's some export going on. There's clearly some of the ports are bidding or being bought into. And that means we must be competitive, which must mean we're at a point where we should put the skids on any further drops. In saying that, the ongoing demand destruction from bird flu and general consumer demand as people start to rein in what they spend. And this is going to have an influence further down the line. People going to restaurants less means less food waste because that's a very inefficient way. Lots of people leave lots on their plates, etc. etc. So I think we will become more efficient in our eating habits and therefore less consumption will occur through stealth. And these things eventually come through and impact the actual amount of grain used. So let's be clear all of this recession is going to have a, a negative impact on prices eventually. Let's move on to prices. We'll start with Aussie Rape because I wrote it at the top of the page, top to bottom. So Ben tells me that. That oilseed rape for January, X is 510, and for harvest, it's exactly the same price. Those prices are significantly lower than the ones last week and the week before. It's down due to economic doom or gloom, if you like. There is a few bullish things in the market, potentially somewhere in the future. The soya crop in Argentina is behind with drilling because of the drought talk that in australia where there's been so much rain the sort of finishing off of the rape crop there hasn't had enough sunlight to get the yield or the oil so it could be impacted if the field isn't flooded that is so those are two lightweight to cling to but certainly the market still over 500 pounds a ton plus your bonus yeah i think anyone will probably sit and run with it for ages Yet, i who knows happy to trade it if you want to Moving on to cereals, so what should we start with? Let's start with milling wheat premium. Old crop milling wheat premium, £45 a tonne or more, depending on where you lie and what the spec of the grain is. And looking at new crop, as I mentioned last week, there are some very big forward premiums, as everybody realises that milling wheat is an expensive crop to grow, hasn't got an advance in its yield on the Class 1 varieties. So Class 4, good quality feed wheat at a much higher yield, at these base prices being so high, is a safer and possibly commercially a better bet. So that is the die is cast on that. I'm afraid because the la- the land has already been opted for as the varieties have been chosen. So goods premiums for million wheat for you growers. It's it's possibly worth chasing the dream with the, with the nitrogen applications. So let's move on to feed wheat. That really has been not that active Xfarm trading. One or two people have sold it and anyone who did leading up to the last, well, this morning's trading would have been glad of any sale they made. But now the market's recovered a tenner at time of recording. Maybe they sold something low on where the market is now, but it's 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 incredibly volatile. If you were selling fee week for January Xfarm, we would pay you 258 at this point of recording futures are 268 to 269 sorry on the may so x farm for may 23 we would pay 264 wild guess that's not you know yeah that's five quid under the futures that's quite aggressive but i think by the time we get to may the delivered market will be trading at a five pound premium or more because it makes no sense otherwise If you're good at maths, that is, if you don't do maths, then forget, you know, you and and read a book and work out what I'm talking about. Let's move on to new crop. I would say X farm for November, we would pay two thirty five. If you're a store member at one of our central stores, which is futures registered, that would mean two forty five X to you. You're ten pounds better than the man down the road, which just about pays for most of your storage. Just get one in there for the stores. If you're looking at harvest delivered to store, immediate movement the day you're combining it, we would pay 227. And we've generally got a store somewhere open near you. Unless you're not in this country or from another county, then, of course, that isn't relevant whatsoever. But very grateful that you listen to the podcast, though, boys and girls. Feed barley, spot value 230X. Pretty rubbish-sounding price compared to where we have been, but feed barley 230 used to be a fantasy. Now it's, like, not such a good price. I don't think there's that much feed barley to trade, to be fair. I think theres there's been an exhaustion of feed barley trading. It's difficult to export it, apparently. We've got a couple of boats in November, which is, you know, m- more than spoken for. So we'll have a bit left over. I won't be looking to hold it. I, I, I want it out. You know, I don't want to store something that I can't see rallying particularly. So we will be out of feed barley as quickly as I can be. But we've, we've managed to pick some up in the last week or two at prices I didn't expect to buy it at. So it's been quite a dramatic drop on that one. And on new crop feed barley, just for the sake of guessing a price, two ten harvest and November two twenty. Again, historically a really good price. Is that good relative to where everything else is? I have no idea. There's certainly no one asking me to sell them feed barley for new crop yet. So I'm just putting it out there. It's over two hundred pounds a ton. And farmers, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen next. It feels like the grain corridor's been extended. It feels like there's this kind of bearishness around in the market. I think we've went too fast down. I think it's going to bounce a bit pre-Christmas. I think... The futures are not might creep into the mid-70s, 270s for May. But longer term, the prospects don't look that great at this moment. You have to counter that with it is November. So we are fully nine and a half months away from any possibility of new crop harvest on wheat. And that's a hell of a long time. And in that period of time... If you've got biblical range in in Australia, and I get a lot of response of people who don't believe in climate change, which is fine. I obviously do, and it's my podcast, so there. But if I'm right, or the cycle at the moment is extreme weather, a third of Pakistan's underwater still. Whole loads of Australia is underwater in the middle of their harvest period, or coming up to their harvest period. And we've got, you know, the potential for greater temperatures all around the world on the growing crop. So I think that we will revisit higher prices because it's not just about the actual weather that's happening, it's the potential of the forecast that's going to happen that gets people who analyse markets and algorithms read all of these weather reports and says it's going to turn hot and dry for a month in that country, that gets them to buy it. And once one algorithm kicks off and some non-algorithm person just goes flat long because he's got a gut feeling or whatever it takes, you know, back to the Empress New Clothes, everybody follows off down there going, yes, it's true, going to go through the roof and up it goes again and I, I and you then get a lack of sellers and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy so in other words I do think we're going to see a downturn at some point during this year there's a short-term rally occurring right now it might well go into the 270s again on the futures I think it will drop off I think the demand destruction is occurring through birth flu through the commercial or economic gloom And I think that, yes, we are competitive export-wise, but if we go too high, we'll cut ourselves out again. And we've got quite a big surplus, 2 million tonnes. And I think at the very tail end of the year, and this is a warning to farmers... At the very tail end of the year, you lot will do exactly what you always do and assume it's going to go to the roof. And I think learn from that. Somewhere in April, May, it will be clear whether we've got enough or not. Don't hang on, get rid of it, is my view. And by the time we get to new crop, I think the thing that will be leading everything will be the new crop price. So, in other words, at the moment, you have new crop November trading at an 18 19 or £20 pound discount to May futures. I believe by the time we get to May, we will see that at parity or close to it, and as we go on into June and July, as the old crop needs to be cleared out and the futures become less attractive, I think new crop will become a premium to old crop. So if you've got nothing else to do with your money, sell May, buy Nov, and wait eight months, and it'll make you some money. There you go. Anyway, have a great week's trading. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours.
2: thought about spring nitrogen? TMAC Agro UK have been producing fertiliser for the world's farmers for 60 years and have been supplying the UK grassland sector for 40. Recently TMAC have brought their proven industry-leading technology to the UK arable market. Their end-process technology operates 25% more efficiently than conventional fertilisers. This allows the opportunity for reduced application rates and increased yields year on year. Their trained nutrient advisors are operating in your area now. To learn more about TMAC or speak to one of our advisors, please call 07939 or email info at uk.tmacagro.com. Thank you for your time and enjoy the rest of the podcast.
1: Okay, this week we've got the crew, everyone except Josh, who's in Dubai. So I've got Joe, Webby and Ben. Hello, everybody.
3: Hello. 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 Nice to be back. Hello. Welcome back, Caravan Webby. Trailer trash.
1: Anyway, let's start with something we talked about a few weeks ago or a few months ago, which was Liz Truss and her fabulous deals with both New Zealand and Australia.
4: I am going to congratulate us because we said it was a bad deal. All those months ago... We did, and George Eustace has finally stood up and said
1: it was a completely shit deal. He didn't yeah. use the word shit, but he might as well have done.
4: Apparently, she'd only go to the meeting if she could leave it and be able to type something on Twitter that was positive about the trade deal.
1: Well, exactly. Um, I, well, look, you know, right, everyone's going to start feeling sorry for Liz any minute. But the, the, the reality of the dynamic of the desperate Brexit people was they had to do a deal with somebody, so they went and did a deal. But it was the thing that really irritated me and i remember mentioning it was liz truss appearing on radio for today program saying out loud that in no way would a deal with australia or new zealand compromise the quality or specifications that the uk farm has to grow to it was a blatant 100 percent Lie. Why someone hasn't picked her up for that when she finally reappears in public again is, you know, that was utterly dishonest. And George Eustace has not covered himself in glory, has he? No, because he was with her at the trade deal and he didn't stand up until two months later and then go, it was a rubbish deal. Why didn't you stand up before then, George? You're a good bloke, you're farming side of things, yeah. I get all that, but you really put your career and your, I want to get on in this world ahead of your principles.
3: But it does sort of smell of desperation. As you said, it was after post-Brexit, wasn't it? It's was like, we need to do something. Yes, yeah, so it was completely flawed, but it was seen to be doing something, wasn't it?
1: I get told of, by certain international types who, for when I pick on the government, because obviously they're, they're doing a very tough job, but every now and again they need to be called out. And that's, this is the first one. That is the first thing. The next thing we're going to move on to is the subject I touched on last week in my podcast, which was just me monologuing about it. I had an immense response about it. So the electronic passport, we're going to have a discussion about that.
2: This is going to fly by. <laughs>
1: well, there is a group of people who want this to happen. AHDB have got a guy called Derek Carlos who has put forward a number of suggestions or statements which I believe misleading or at the very best untrue. I mean, are you going to be able to go through the statements? Can we discuss them? Well, yeah, we can. Let's do that. Why use the DGP? And the DGP is the digital. Group grain passport streamlined process okay will it be streamlined how would it be more streamlined having elect where we have to input data and then coordinate with the farmer to input data in order for the passport to
3: exist suppose you could argue that there is maybe one less bit of data for inputting because if it's input once it then goes all the way through the chain maybe no no but we're inputting
1: and the farmer has to input. At the okay. moment, the farmer has a yellow sticker and he just fills it out. So they're adding us to the process. That's not streamlining. That's doubling up on the numbers yeah. of people involved in the it's process. Clutch onto a straw bit. Isn't so it? false statement number one. Statement number two: enhanced passport integrity. Where's the lack of integrity in what we've got?
4: Yeah,
5: i struggle with that one. If it is individual and that digital passport is only unique to that farm, then possibly. I mean, but the thing is the sticker itself
4: is that already. So I don't really quite understand. I mean, the paper passport at the end of the day has got integrity because it gets printed off. The farmer puts his sticker on. He signs it. And then he signs it. There's an actual signature on it. So so to some extent there's
1: more. So statement number two, enhanced passport integrity, false statement. So two out of two, false statement. What outcome will you get? This is the best one of all. This is like Fantasy Island. Fewer claims and rejections the silence says everything well the argument apparently is that there'll be quicker feedback to the farmer so he can check his qualities how can it be quicker than a phone call saying you're rejected mate but if
3: it's if, if it's a tip it's not going to change or influence the fact that it's being rejected and if it's out of spec you'll get a claim and it's no different if a lorry's being loaded you get a phone call back saying you know bang don't
5: load it anyway it's, I, I don't see that large majority of the intake process is based on testing the actual you know a sample of that got nothing to do i mean they there is obviously an element of that from the Waybridge. They need to obviously look at and confirm the paperwork. But ultimately, it comes down to rejection. Could be rejected with the paperwork. But also, the whole point of it is to test the actual commodity. Make sure it's up to spec. So... How is that no, going it?
1: to... no, it's, it, it's yeah. just, it's crap. You're going to invent something and try and persuade people to do it, and you start bringing it to people. This, by the way, is the benefits to merchants. So this is the bit where we're benefiting, apparently. And so in front of us, the reality or the arguments are just, just infantile. Industry standard automated assurance checks. Again, that's, that's just filling the page out, isn't well... it? Yeah, that's already right, being I just, done isn't it
5: well yeah i mean it should be it's part and parcel with task requirements so obviously make sure that from a merchant's point of view the check the person that you're buying from is assured at that time and if it's at that very moment it runs through the system and is connected to the <laughs> assurance system then you could say yes it is double checking you know crossing t's dotting i's for making sure that is correct but
1: Sounds like more work to me.
5: Well, it's automatically done. If it, if it was all linked up and it was linked to a system that could automatically check it, then yes. But that's going to be an expensive setup. I know that. We know that from experience. There
1: are so many of these. We'll have to not dwell on too many of them. but <laughs> Too it. late. Yeah, and it, well, <laughs> right. Real-time load status visibility. That's handy. That means it's like tracking a vehicle, I guess.
4: Which happens anyway.
1: No benefit, really. And a distraction from other work that should be being done. It was one of my friends uh, responses to that all right next one instant feedback of weight data 28 day payment what difference does instant feedback mean possibly you could say "Oh, i might be a fiddle a contract to get the last few tons in exactly right or i i mean yeah there is a a possible yeah day or two or three's benefit in finding that out early but it will make any difference to physical money arriving will it and then it says integrate software with one api rather than multiple what's an api
4: come on joe oh he's gonna look it up on his phone
1: yeah well, the, the point is, integrating software into our software system is never mentioned in terms of a cost. It's a no, cost. You've
5: got it. Application
1: programming interface. Ah, application programming interface, of course. Passport will suddenly start existing, and our automated, our little computer system will automatically just be able to fit it in without any cost to us or time. So, yeah, answer eh, eh, that one. Benefits to processors. High quality data and improved integrity. That is just a statement. High quality data, yeah. uh, Improved integrity is what? Inferring that it's not in... Yeah, they're saying that the the paper passports are getting
4: filled in are lies. Yeah,
1: in effect. (laughs) Right, next one. Transform traceability with greater accessibility.
4: For who? The hacker? Oh. Well yeah
1: the hacker we've got a system we're inventing here api friendly whatever that means in comes the hacker from russia
4: yeah, let's so, delete that passport yeah let's stop that system let's
1: down. stop the whole system so what outcome will we get industry standard automated assurance checks well that's already achieved Real-time load status visibility. You've mentioned that for a second time. Well, that's no good to man or beast, really. Integrate software with one API rather than multiple. So you said the same thing us. I'm going to chuck that bit of paper away. I'm going to now go on to the benefits of hauliers. This is a real good one, right? It's going to save time and reduce uncertainty. You're having a laugh. You know, the weak link, as I said on last week's podcast, is the ability of the, you know, the lower end of the scale, if you like us mortals down who don't know what APIs are, actually u- utilising... You know, smart technology. Ian,
5: Ian, if I pass you this piece of paper, how long does it take? Okay. <laughs> now, if I get a PDA out and I cover it and it doesn't work because it's got no signal, does it work and then it has to upload later? Is that quicker or slower? No. Or, if,
1: the, or if the piece of paper has been passed and passed back in the time we we're talking about it, the point being.
3: I know, yeah. uh, there are some of the hauliers that have, I know a particular local haulier has gone onto like a smart tablet type kind of set up which i'm assuming but with this that we fully enforce on every haulier and the cost element of that yes because this one haulier has done it but we've got some hauliers that you're sure saving would... time
1: in reducing uncertainty apparently yeah. and then you got this is the second one fewer holdups at intake well yeah
3: yeah i don't
4: really it's just crap i guess that's saying that if the farmer's put on an out-of-date sticker on his paper passport it gets to intake they then go oh i'm gonna make out of date can't tip it
1: if he's put the wrong data on the electronic passport, he could put something wrong. Well, it uh, well, is, argu- is the argument. Number?
4: You can't do that because the electronic passport will already go. No, not him letting you input that data because your assurance is out of date. I don't or, know.
1: All right, then, or he puts the wrong registration number on the passport. I don't know how it works, so I got you know. But the, mm. my point being, fewer hold-ups at intake, I don't think it's true. If you end up, turn up with a passport, yes, if someone's put the wrong date or year on, but I mean, sticker, yeah. how often does that happen, honestly? Y- yeah, mm, yeah, not. We not. remember it happening because it's ha- it has happened, but... yes. How many times have we not been tipped because of it in the end because we work our way around it and find out if they are assured or not by going on the system that's there? That is mm. a hold-up. But there's no proof, there's no evidence to support the statement that there's going to be fewer hold-ups. This is selling something by making a statement that they're assuming is going to be truth that's not an actual fact
4: well and actually there's another angle here in because we've had this where a passport's turned up with an out-of-date sticker and then the mill or whatever have said to us can you let us know that this person's assured and all we've done is gone onto the red tractor assurance checker verified it and emailed it to them whereas the intake point could do that and save a phone call and some work
1: I'm not going to read all them. I mean, fewer illegible or incomplete passports.
4: In all fairness,
5: the amount of passports that are poorly filled in—pretty boring subject—but it is a bugbear. The amount of times that people sort of don't.
1: What you're saying is the people who are actually load in
5: the lorry have
1: to fill in a form, and they aren't very good at writing.
5: Mm, yep. not always the writing just ticking boxes or whatever it is yep. it's sometimes just saying what was it before and things like that these are the same people
1: who are going to be using technology right that's the point
5: it will be a onus on there are people that we trade with that are happy enough not to actually use a computer now some would say that's just so antiquated it's, <laughs> but the thing is that it should mean that one person would fill out that passport for those loads going and that's done so there wouldn't actually be someone else separately possibly you know inputting it. one done it in the office and it's ready at rock and roll but the problem is that if you've got a sudden a last minute load an extra load of clear up or something that you haven't actually created the passport for electronically and the person's come back to fill that and finish it off then what happens how, how quickly is that created it's an extra holder not a, not well, less possibly holders. how is that going to be generated because that obviously does need to be generated how is that going to happen if it's a last minute thing and you need to get something especially if they're loading at six o'clock
1: in the morning and the you know there's a little glitch with the system or something is the gateway they've all built going to be manned by someone every hour of the day no of course it won't be mm-hmm. It'll be someone coming in at nine flexi time and go home you know it's not going to be in coordination with
5: the times that Hawley is actually work last thing at night first thing in the morning on film just out of interest has it been posed what will be the contingency program or situation if that system goes down and will it be acceptable to use a paper passport in that circumstance so if it does worst case scenario because this is ultimately what we're looking at sometimes to test the validity of of a system you must make sure it actually does work you know you have a backup plan
1: there is no mention of it breaking down there's nothing this is all, it's going to work perfectly, idiot. You, you're an idiot if you don't believe in it. And then I'm going to tell you that the projected savings per load. you like this. The growers are going to save £2.31 per load.
4: How's that, you know, calculated? Where's that from? from I, don't, I don't know, but my, I, here we go. How's it a guess? It's printing out the bit of paper, ink, paper, I don't know, electricity on the printer.
1: Right. The hauliers are going to save 57p. This is like make up a merchants are going to save 83p. Merchants are going to spend God knows how many thousands to put the thing into their computer yeah. system and loads more time actually managing can't the system. I can't see where the, our the cost system.
3: comes from as a business with the paper system.
1: How does the haulier
5: save money that it doesn't actually spend at the moment?
1: If this thing goes through and people have believed this crap, processors process is going to save a quid. Assurance bodies are going to save 6p. Yeah, OK, that's handy. Total cost of the supply chain, £4.77 per load. That's like writing figures down.
4: I mean, the main question is, what has been the cost of developing this thing so far? I mean, it's in the millions, isn't it?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I went through the cost of various alternative schemes. I didn't actually mention the single farm payment scheme. I don't know if the farmers remember that, where they spent however many million pounds on on developing that saying it'll all be in one place. It'll be automated from then on. And loads and loads of farmers were left high and dry without receiving their farm payments or their full farm payments Mm. for months and then eventually the government was fined was 77 million or something for not paying the farmers on time because they were obliged to do that and they ended up outsourcing or getting people in i should say to sort the mess out manually this is historically in agriculture we've got our very own example of complete and utter it's only going to cost you 200 million no it's going to cost you actually 500 million because it's going to be a complete cock up well the other thing is you know
4: I did read somewhere that they were, yes, there was some kind of data security backup system to protect all this data, but we know that these systems aren't foolproof. I mean, only the other week, the Australian government got hacked by the Russians and 200 million medical records appeared online you know they could hack this and publish any type of farmer's data couldn't they
1: yeah here you go i tell you what it is 2.1 million three-year development and transition budget that's what the indicative costs are and have an annual operating cost something that is currently free will have an annual operating cost of 271k
3: okay that's cool
1: that's just money paid to somebody who's
3: yeah where's that going to become very powerful is that part of the le- Is that part of levy? I don't know.
1: And that excludes any extra development or new
3: functionality because yeah. we've
1: all had a computer and then go, oh, I need this as well. Does the levy
3: me. payer pick up the tab for rolling it out to you know consumers, merchants, hauliers? I mean, where does that cost go? Will it or won't it be subsidised through the whole supply
1: chain? No, I think you'll find merchants will have to pay for integrating into their systems, and everyone will have to pay for it. It's absolutely, theoretically, we've got these machines that can do these wonderful things, but actual practicality, what do you gain for it? Why are you spending money on something that you don't have to spend at the moment? This is money. We're trying to get away from red tape, okay? And the red tape, the dynamic of changing everybody's system, the data that is collected at some point will be worth something to AHDB, let's say. Now, if they suddenly turn around and the Chinese offer them £40 billion pounds for all the data of agricultural deliveries over a 10-year period in the UK, so they work out to hack it properly, yippee, you know, that all of the top guys, they'll get a bonus probably, but hang on a minute, it should go right back to the growers who paid for the thing in the first place. Government gets it, okay, I get the government gets it, but they as like to sell it to somebody, else, anybody is, you know, if, if the bigger company's going to say, come on, mate, you know, you're letting us off this, that, and the other one, way we us, why don't you just let us have a bit of data info? Yeah, alright then, says the young, naive, whoever has just joined the hdb my point is you created a scenario where you create vulnerability yeah. anyway i'm ranting a bit as usual but i think you all having read out the benefits that don't exist i think it's unfair to try and sell a product on false statements that's my point and i think great idea in a sense but it's not really thought through right what else should we talk about
4: I'm tired now. We've, had,
1: we've done Liz Truss and George just we've done Weybridge. As I say, we had a phenomenal response already, and I know it was discussed at AIC. Our podcast last week was discussed because we brought up some points that simply weren't getting airtime, mm. like when everything breaks down. But anyway, moving on. Okay, there's the next thing to talk about is a £30 drop in two weeks in the grain market. Bird flu, yep. major influence. A bit more thawing from the old war situation.
4: Grain corridor staying open for another 120 days, but, you know... I think Putin was bullied into that. I mean, the other thing that the market had to absorb, wasn't it, was the G20. And all of a sudden, 100 missiles got launched at Ukraine while Lavrov disappeared. So he didn't have to face difficult questions. I mean, Biden obviously calmed that situation down. But as Joe pointed out, overnight, the American wheat market rocketed. And then when we came in in the morning, it had Drop Come back. Italian, yeah. yeah, but, you know, that sense of, that spooked the market, that sense of, hang on a minute, is this Russia missiles going into Poland, which turned out was an accident, but even so, it's spooking the market.
1: Well, and a £30 drop is, you know, our farmers really taking it in. Do they, you know, what what most of them have got a good percentage sold and they're not really reacting because there's nine months to go, which I kind of feel comfy with because, yeah, it is dropping last at the moment, but... Next spring, the weather forecast could be hideous.
3: We've got so, so long to go to the end of this season, yet, And I think, I mean, farmers are traditionally, sorry, a lot more sold than they would be traditionally for this time of year, aren't they? I'd say would they be 70% sold as an average, maybe. It's a higher yeah. proportion than I've yeah. known for a lot of years. I um, think <laughs> they're quite relaxed about it. And dare I say it, they're probably quite busy doing the wintertime activities. We're closing down for the season. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the budget then. That was today. You watched
1: that. Anyone, anyone watch it?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> what have we got? They increased the tax bracket, didn't they?
1: Yeah, for people who are earning that much money, but we don't because we're poor and rural. Exactly. Yeah.
4: Well, apart from Ian. And, I mean, the one thing I didn't mind was the fact that they are going to make electric cars pay road tax. Yeah. About time, really.
3: Not until 2028, though. <clears throat> yeah, but that goes against everything we're trying to achieve, isn't it, really? What, like digging lithium out of the ground? Yeah, no, I get I get that point. But no, more. Like, it's, just, it's not sustainable energy, is it, really, electricity? But, you know, fossil fuels and pollution. Yeah,
1: but the roads need to be paid for, and there's potholes in them. I accept roads need to be paid for, but we need to incentivise the move to electric. Okay, well we've done that, haven't we? You
3: don't pay. No, because I mean cars can have a, you are can still have an electric
1: company car, and not pay tax on it.
3: still electric cars are still bloody expensive, and you mm. need more incentives to kind of make them more affordable. And that move's made them less affordable, not by a massive amount, but.
4: Yeah, not by much. And also, you've hit the webby, electric cars are expensive, so if you can afford to buy one, you can afford to pay the road tax.
1: Yeah, OK, so what else in the
4: budget? Well, obviously, yeah, pensioners and people on benefits get their 10%. That's pretty impressive. Which is impressive. Greater windfall tax on the energy companies, and he's going to build Sizewell C nuclear power station. Mm-hmm. Look out Walberswick. By definition,
1: inflation will be down in a year's time because of the rate of increase for this year. So they will conquer yes. inflation.
4: It will drop out, yeah.
1: But at the cost of higher interest rates on mortgages which if it's going to they're saying it's going to be four percent at
3: least for three to four years and that's going to have quite a big impact on the middle income people yeah i was hearing someone as commentators saying for what it's worth four to six percent yeah forecast middle of next year yeah, which and it's going to drag on. That's pain, that's going to be painful. For,
1: well, lots of people have much bigger mortgages, and they everyone you know from yeah. my era tells everyone about nineteen well, nineteen. Everyone's 15. borrowed up because it's been cheap. Well, um, everyone's got used to yeah. buying everything on the never never, mm-hmm. haven't they? And which is a good thing. This is a good lesson for everybody because old people like me have been saying, "Don't borrow money. Don't yeah. put on credit cards." And you know, people have learned the hard way. Well, it's going to get even harder, and they're going to learn some bigger lessons. Quite what yeah. opportunities that brings up, I don't know.
3: But I think this Christmas and so Some of the figures and the stats after that post that are going to be pretty gloomy because I think it's going to be very, very tight, lean Christmas, isn't it? Well, it's for you and a caravan, mate, yeah. Yeah, I (laughs) know.
1: Water running down the window.
3: It would be very interesting, actually, seeing my caravan set up. It's a one-room-fits-all, so I have got bedroom, kitchen, living room, not quite bathroom, but all in one room. It's pretty cosy. Toilet.
5: (laughs) Have you got a chimney? So how are you going to explain that to the children?
3: Well, no, more importantly... Quite simple. Father Christmas can't come this year.
4: (laughs) Recession starts
5: earlier than Webster House. <laughs> Let's
3: not
1: remember how many people listen to the podcast. Some youngsters don't worry. He finds a way.
4: <laughs> Although Webby is on the naughty list now,
1: <laughs> very much so. The other thing with the budget is, you know, council taxes are going to go up. That kind of makes it not look like it's the government, but they are going to have to go up dramatically to meet all these various costs. Holes and yeah. So yeah, and and the wages of all of their staff. Now there's there's absolutely no way the government can can expect the various councils to hold their prices down. So the real impact is going to come in that
4: area for everybody funnily enough liz trust didn't turn up for the statement today didn't she no what was she doing Probably trying to rewrite her Australian deal. It's going
1: to be really interesting to see how she comes out of this, you know, make money from the whole
3: process and so on. But there's no place for her as an MP. I, I is think that? I might have embarrassingly said the other day that I've been watching Celebrity. Is it oh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here? That yeah. jungle thing. Yeah. And Matt Hancock. Sounds like I'm an addict and I watch it, but this is the first time I've ever watched it because I find it interesting with him on there. But he thinks that she's finished. Her political career is dead. Well, she's yeah brilliant,
4: brilliant. coming oh, yeah. from him no, she, she, she better <laughs> I
3: go think on. he's in the same boat she, she bet. get, better
1: get booked in for next
3: year then doesn't because <laughs> I mean he's it's really interesting and I, I've criticized my wife for the last five years for watching because a complete load of Tess watches it and I, bollocks, and I it. annoys me yeah but with him in there it's a different dynamic I mean, whatever his motivations? He's yes. got nothing to lose, and oh. he's given it some bottle. There's a lot of things that he's been doing that I wouldn't want to do. And no, you know, he's... he he knew he'd get every task. He knew everyone would vote him in the whole yeah. time. Snakes
1: have bitten him, all sorts of stuff. I, he's I, been I gritty. Right. He's got determination. The focus in getting those tasks done, but yeah. he can't help but being a knob. He get you know. He, started, he tried to first pretend it was he was doing it for dyslexia or whatever cause. Yeah. Yeah. Then he tried to pretend that it was to show that MPs are actually human. Yeah. there's a human side. Bollocks! He's doing it because he's. Desperately, I, don't, I mean, probably the money's handy as well 400k, good for him. But it's the dynamic of sucking us in again and making
3: us think, oh, poor old yeah. Matt Hancock. No, he's a celebrity. Do you think there's part of lots of the public can't relate to politicians at all, can they? Completely like alien concepts, and they are maybe he does make them slightly more relate. You can understand Who, the person behind In their right minds, would be a politician. Yeah, good question. You could, none of us could do it, or we, no. but
1: we. Oh. Ben thinks he can. I reckon we'd give it a good go. I, I reckon I'd be fantastic and get loads of people to follow me, but
3: they'd find, I reckon out, you would. find out all
4: sorts hang of stuff. Hang on, about... Webby,
3: hang <laughs> on. I reckon people would vote for Webby. Yeah, but that's because you're not going to have many skeletons in the closet looking like you, are you? <laughs> 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 that was speechless, Ben.
4: <laughs> I, even I am speechless at <laughs> that, Webby. I've got Penny Morden. damn it.
3: Yeah, you have, Penny. Yeah, who lives such a squeaky clean? Or do you not have to have a squeaky clean
4: well, lifestyle? Well, yeah, because you,
3: you, you the, yeah.
1: p- the press, someone would find out whatever inner secrets you but got, then, they'd get you.
3: You know, the, the whole Cameron, you know, shagging a pig's head. What was their club? Bullington. What do they call it? The Bullyington Club. Yeah. You know, they kind of got away with that, didn't they? Yeah, but Ish. they've got enough connections to
1: make that happen. If you, if you yeah. rose the ranks, none of the stories would come out until you got to the point where you were really on top of things. And then you'd just be nailed. And I, you know, yeah. There's a million. There's a whole load of farmers who probably got lots of stories about how terrible we are, or you know, whatever from your past exists, doesn't it? So you have, to, you have to appear whiter than white and exonerate yourself and be utterly saintly the entire time. What a load of crap. No one's like that. You need to have someone with a bit of grit and gets drunk down the...
4: It's a party. complete
1: fun sponge. It wouldn't be, it would be... If yeah. you, you can't get drunk with your mates or something where someone might be taking a picture of you doing it. It's like that makes you real, doesn't it? It makes you relatable.
4: I thought about you this morning, actually, Andrew, with Elon Musk's latest email to his employees. Have you heard about that? No. So, obviously, you know, the $44 billion takeover of Twitter is going down like a fart in a spacesuit. Musk has now sent an email out to his employees, and basically they have to tick a box by Friday that says, I will work insane hours and be completely committed to you. Reminds me of Julian Grain. Yeah.
5: Matthew and son, the
1: work's never done. Yeah? I like the sound of that. It's completely insane that yeah. you probably have to be to be here anyway. <laughs> no, yeah, OK. The guy's a complete nutter, isn't he? He doesn't pay taxes. And who was the one? Bezos gave £100 million to Dolly Parton. We're supposed to forgive him for nicking that as tax out of the UK. And she's going to give it to good causes, you know, in God knows where in America.
3: But it was, I'm talking about uh, seeing these big names. Um, Bezos... Didn't he lose a trillion? Hasn't Amazon lost a trillion dollars recently? I don't know. Yeah, I think there was something coming out the other day. He's, he's well down on the rich list now. Oh no! And he's still pretty high up there. But there's
1: no mention of taxing Amazon
3: or on the budget. Was there's no actually going after people? We can get, get every single one of your favourite subjects on this podcast, are not we? We've got yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's. Um, <laughs> yeah we have yeah but will the pound be
1: firm following this budget we go back to the budget will it be firm on the back of it
4: it actually weakened eventually you feel that yes there is more strength to come there's
1: grown-ups in the room I think they will have a response of a stronger pan because other people have troubles. We actually will have a a tangible plan, which is not very palatable because we were completely in the shit. We've had to do that. And Mm. they can get justification because I think everybody understands, even though it's their own mess. They're trying to pretend it's the Russians or it's pandemic or it's everything else. It is a Tory-created misery. And they are now in a position where they are (coughs) having to reel some of it back in. That's their only hope to get voted in two years' time to get the economy back into some sort of
4: shape. Yeah, and actually, Andrew, you made a good point there in that, look, you know, we are not the only country, you know, who are suffering. Every country is suffering. The only country that's going to come out of this stronger is the US because they are so self-sufficient in food, oil, gas. They actually don't need the rest of the world.
1: Well, in two years' time, someone's going to make them great again.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah... He's back, isn't he, Donald? Well, I mean, he's he's gone early. Some would say he's... Uh,
1: Ronda Sanctimonious. He's, he's near thing about loyalty. Yeah. I mean, I, mean the same I think look, Trump
4: might it? have shot his bolt too early, but oh, no. we'll see.
1: Are we going to have a beer, by the way? you got that cold beer that you sort of pre-ordered, Ben. Is this going to be me drinking a beer? No, there's another one there we can all share. Look, I don't feel like drinking any because I had loads last night. I really did go and have a bit of a sesh. <laughs> Marley's got to get that. We'll have a little conversation about the World Cup.
4: Oh, probably the worst two people to speak to is yeah. me and Ian about the World Cup. Right, go on. Although, we did our sweepstakes draw, right. and
3: I've got England, and who else have I got? Never mind. Can't remember. Yeah, well, that's exactly <laughs>
4: said.
1: It's a lose-lose,
3: isn't it, really? <laughs>
1: Who've you
4: got?
3: Denmark and Japan.
4: I've got Germany, well, which is good go. for me. Yeah, Joe, that glass is broken. Which one? That one.
1: So, right, other than the sweepstake, have you got any intelligent comments to make about the World Cup? frightening you see with in touch well the
4: whole qatar is hilarious isn't it
1: well hilarious in the sense that every country's turning up with rainbow colored
4: things (laughs) yeah which is fine and a danish cameraman got attacked last night or something what for because he tried to film the qatari security people that were tailing them in order to make sure they don't say anything controversial and they took the camera off him welcome to qatar I think
1: it's fairly pathetic to have fully trained political journalists asking 23-year-old English professional footballers their stance on, you know, the LGBT rights. What is that, by the way? Barsh and Bob. Barsh and Bob. Bitter Bitter old busted. Busted. We'll all share some of that. So, yeah, these lads, in their early 20s, they've spent their entire life focusing on becoming a professional footballer. They've been picked to play for their national side. Are they the right people to persecute? Let's just imagine, I don't know, one of them, Grealish, scores a hat-trick in the first game. And the interviewer comes up after the game and goes, ah, you must be feeling really good about that. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I can't believe I scored a World Cup hat-trick for England. I'm so happy. What do you think about, you know, trans rights what relevance well, has it got to football? I know yeah. if you can have a fight about it or make a big fuss about it, do it in the in the last 12 years leading up to the Qatar World Cup. Even Blatter has come out with a, oh, I think the country's too small. You know, bearing in mind the yeah. £600 million pounds he's got in his bank account because they bunged it to him. You know, he's trying to distance himself like bloody George Eustace, isn't he? It's yeah. appalling. But they should not hassle the people from our team will they be asking the german team what they think about trans rights no the german journalists will be going like you know right let's focus on the football are you feeling good about the football what do you want you know is the training camp right just football 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 so they can focus on it our guys are getting persecuted and they'll they'll be worrying themselves stupid about saying something wrong and being misquoted
4: why do we why does this country allow our journalists to do that in happier news, for Norfolk people, Jack Van Paulfleet.
1: Hang on, wait, you're moving away from football because you don't know anything about it. We'll come to Jack in a moment.
3: Hang on. Have you got any comments about the World just Cup Just say football? no, Joe. Just say no. Ben's just not often comfortable talking about his own sexuality, though, are you, Ben?
4: <laughs> not in front of you. I
5: think that, yes, all right, it should be just about football and talk about football. However, collectively, all those people that are going, whoever they are, for whatever, you know, they are obviously chosen for their country, etc. And if they all collectively said, we're not going, then it would be a statement. And they would be able to, to some extent, make a change to that scenario, you know, like make a statement. They would, but at the same time, I agree that why are those guys being asked to make a political statement about their beliefs when ultimately you might as well walk down the street and ask the same people?
1: Joe, you played for England under whatever age group it was, yeah. right? If you were picked and someone said, right, I'm afraid we're going to all not play, so you never got that shirt, you never wore that rose, are you telling me, you go, yeah, all oh, right, I'm going to do that because I believe it. Yeah.
5: I'm not saying that. I'm saying that that's the reason why people sort of see it as an opportunity, a platform to sort of make a statement. And I suppose that they're putting that pressure on those people that are fortunate enough to play for their country and suddenly putting them in a horrible position. Now, they have got an opportunity to use that as an opportunity to make that statement. But I also don't think it's necessarily right to persecute those people that are doing it
1: and they're not going to be out of focus on the on the point in hand they're trying to win the world cup for england right yeah and i would really love it if england won the world cup right the other thing is the uk us have done a whole load of really bad things over centuries right don't we get grief about it who are we to go to other countries and tell them that they're wrong i mean you know we we're very very angry about all sorts of countries doing all sorts of terrible things. Absolutely right, but it's their country and it's their culture, which is yeah. different to our culture. The fact we're multiracial and we allow people to come in and do build mosques or whatever the, it is that they want to do. You know, we have to be accepting. Other countries are not in the same place as us. Why should we be the judge and jury? We're not the chosen no. ones, are we?
3: No, true. This is a culture. What should it's a society culture of acceptance now, isn't it? That's what we've moved into. Yeah. So
1: how do you get another country? You can do what you do, and we they shouldn't. And they to can force that you. on another country. I you know. can't turn up in their but country, fun, but the and start holding point hands as two blokes and or kissing in the street if you know full well that their culture is yeah, offended yeah. We, by we, that. Yeah, we can't.
3: We can't force that. I think the biggest complete cock up all the way through is they should never have had it in the first place against yeah, then, their culture. But where do you send
1: it? It was in Russia last time, or the time before last.
4: I hate to say, you keep it in the countries where everyone is happy. Europe, US, Australia—that's not
1: necessarily happy. It's like discriminating against the Japanese and the Chinese, isn't it? Happy, they're happy, but they just do—they do things well, differently. Don't know about the Chinese, happy like rainbow, that sort of happy. Yeah. Anyway, right. So football. Now there will be lots of talk about football. So brush up on your football, then and Webby. I know you need nothing. to have intellectual conversations about the games that've been
3: played and what's really happening. All right. I was about to offend all football supporters by picking up on the word intellectual. Mm -hmm. Intellectual (laughs) football Are they two Mm -hmm. Where's the Yeah They are There's
1: so much Coming from There's so much In the beautiful game Rugby might be Good for posh people But in fact It is the everybody game
3: I like watching it I do like watching it I'm not going to go out and watch Premiership games every weekend because it doesn't... But I get into World Cup, kind yeah, of, Wolfram. and Euros... You'd have to travel oh, a long okay. way from
1: Norfolk to watch a Premier game okay.
3: every weekend. No, I'll get I'll get course up in it, and I will, and I'll end up watching various other nations, not just England. They're I want
1: England to win the World Cup. I really want them to win it. It would do the country the world of good. You'd be surprised the feel good factor, and all you lot would be sucked into it just the same as everybody else. It's the game Thank that you. really lifts everybody. Mm. Anyway...
3: I feel like when Norwich
1: win the well, they get promoted Championship, in the and get, yeah, down, exactly. up down, up down, up down. it's they, different. If they're not going up this year, don't bet on them this year. They're not. They're not good enough. By the way, they'll be in the playoffs, but you know, might get through via Wembley, but they won't be in the top two. The season ticket holder, anyway. Jack Van Portfleet, absolutely. Ben Youngs, Freddie Stewart. Obviously,
5: Jack's had a few run-outs naturally for in Australia and on tour, and, and now had opportunities, a few starts and things, which is really great is that he's also starting this weekend against the All Blacks.
1: That's amazing, isn't it? It's Yeah. The it's... boy did good. We're all very proud, aren't yeah.
3: we? Let's just quickly <laughs> have an assessment of bitter old bustard, Bob, Barsham Brewery. Is I've that... always liked this, because we had this at the Alsham um, show five, six years ago. Mm. It's a good bit. Are you drink that cold one?
4: I liked it. And also, can I just say that, obviously, we went to the pub the other night, and the Timothy Taylor was on, and I forgot how much I really enjoyed that.
1: Do you know what? I really enjoyed Timothy Taylor last night in the recruiting sergeant.
3: Yeah, I was going to say thanks for the invite, guys, the other night. Well,
1: you it was really... a
4: really good evening. You had to be
1: here at the future, Re- future's close time to go there.
4: It's, it's really good. It's the first time Joe came out because you weren't there. <laughs> abusing him and me. <laughs> nice beer? Happy beer, yeah? Yeah, it's
5: very nice.
1: And are you going to drink the Earl Grey lager?
4: No, I don't think I need to now.
1: OK, so that's for another day then. So okay. we've, we, we haven't had a few weeks since we've done a beer, actually. So, yeah, it's nice to get back on the pitch with beers coming into the season when we're not supposed to drink any more than we normally do. So, yeah, happy podcast. So next week, £10 down, £20 up. So. I know
5: it's fighting the trend, but I, I think it's going to bounce next week. OK. I don't think it's going to bounce per se. I don't think it's going to go up by 15 quid.
4: We're going to see some bottom picking
5: tails down. <laughs> anyway,
1: with that, have a great week. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.